Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. How are y'all doing today? Good. Well, happy Father's Day to you. Thank you. Oh. All right, hey. Eddie. Melvin, what are you doing? Huh? Nervous. A little bit. Hey, guess what? This holiday is this month. Uh, let me see. Um, this month is June, so uh, I know. School's out. Yay! Um, yes, yeah, school's out, but that's not a holiday. It's not. No. <laughs> Don't you know what this month is? Um, summertime. Yay! I'm going swimming every day I can. My goodness, Melvin. It's a wonder you passed kindergarten. I didn't. I'm still in kindergarten. But if school's not out and, and it's not summertime, uh-huh. I have no idea. Wow. This mu- huh? That's right. Matter of fact, it's today. Oh. You know, that day when we give our dads a gift and honor him and... To show them how much we love them? Oh. <sighs> oh, hey, Eddie. Oh. Hey, Melvin. Hi, Josie. Hey, Josie. What are y'all up to? Well, we were just talking about what we're going to get our fathers for Father's Day. Oh, no. Oh, dear. I don't have any money to get my dad anything. What am I going to do? Are you all getting your something? Well, yeah, of course. Of course I am. I uh-huh. bought him some new golf balls. Oh. Golf balls? Why golf balls? Your dad plays golf all the time. He must have a lot of them already. Makes sense. No, not really. Every time he goes to play golf, he comes home complaining about not having but a couple left. Why is that? Do the holes take your golf balls? Like when we play putt-putt on the last hole? Why don't you give those back? No, I don't think so. He says every time he hits the ball, it ends up in the water. But your dad plays all the time. Every weekend. Surely he can hit better than that. Hey, I think he's great. He said last week he shot a 139. Oh, that's a good score. Yeah, that's good. You know, Pastor Ron went with him. They say he's pretty good, too. (laughs) Well, your dad must be good to shoot that many points and still lose all his balls in the water. I was thinking that, too. Mm -hmm. Anyway, do you have any ideas for me to give to my dad? Well, if you don't have any money, why don't you just make him something? Eddie, I'm Uh five. Yeah, I know you're five. What can I make a big man like my dad that he would actually like? I can barely color in the lines. Well? Did Jersey say, did you say your your dad plays golf with Pastor Ron? Yes, he Mm -hmm. does. Why? Uh, I know. Maybe I could give him Jesus. Mm. How are you going to do that? Like you said, you're only five. Mm-hmm. How do you think you're going to go to heaven, bring Jesus down here to your dad? Yeah. I think you need to think of another idea. No, Jersey, you don't understand. Your dad comes to church with you on Sunday and Wednesday. Yeah. My dad, wonderful as he is, yeah. well, he doesn't come with me. And that's why I ride the bus. So... But you still can't bring Jesus to your dad. It's just not possible. My Sunday school teacher uh-huh. said that we're supposed to be Jesus to other people. That's right. So I'm going to try and do what Jesus would do. Yeah. I'm going to love him and uh-huh. honor him on Father's Day. Uh-huh. And tell him how much Jesus loves him too. Oh. Then I'm going to pray every day. Now, maybe he would be able to see Jesus in me. Then maybe one day I can Uh sit with him in church like you do. That would be great. Yeah. Melvin, he might only be five and still in kindergarten, but it's a great idea. I'll help you pray for your dad. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah. Me too. Yeah.
Thanks, Josie. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay, guys. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. We'll see you later. Hi. Children may be dismissed at this time to Children's Church. I noticed that one of the puppets said, we needed to do what Jesus would do. We need to be like Jesus. Do you agree with that? Amen. Before we look to the word today, if you would listen to the words of this very old song. From the dust of the earth, God created man. His breath made man a living soul. Then God so loved this world. from scripture about the creation of man which we want to talk about for a few moments today and enlarge upon that in some ways I'd like to ask one favor from you today and that is that you would listen attentively and think with me reason with me and follow with me all the way through to the end of the sermon today there, um, there are parts of this that some people have a tendency to draw back from. 
They have a tendency to uh, be bothered by. I'll just go ahead and tell you what part it is. There's a there's a passage of scripture where it talks about how that um, Adam would be the ruler over Eve. And the scriptures that talk about wives submitting to their husbands. And first of all, you're going to see it's in the Bible. Secondly, I'm going to frame it and put it in context, I hope, in a way that you can not be offended by it. Because God's word is God's word. Amen. And I don't, I don't choose the message. I'm just the messenger. However, sometimes it helps us to understand God's word in context and then it becomes a little more palatable if we can um, understand it the way that it was given and how God intends it. So if you would think with me and follow through with me, I would much appreciate that. We know, um, most of us who were here, about creation and the way that the Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches us that God created the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavens. And then God created the earth. The Bible tells us that he separated the seas or brought the seas together and dry land appeared. And he let uh, and caused grass and trees and other things to begin to grow on the earth. And then that God created birds to fly in the air and animals to roam the face of the earth. All the creeping things and everything that we are aware of that exists today in the realm of the living, God has created those things. And then the crown or the pentacle or the top of God's creation, he He waited right there to the end to create man. Uh, that's why he's, man is called the crown of God's creation. It was his uh, best, if you will, because man was created in the likeness and image of God. Mankind bears the resemblance in some ways to our creator, God. And so the Bible tells us concerning the actual uh, creation of man In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Could also be translated from the clay of the ground, or from the mud of the ground, or from the dirt of the ground. It just has to do with the earth itself. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And as a result of that, man became a living being. And then the Bible goes on to tell us, uh, of course, that um, Adam was given an assignment from God to give names to all of the creatures, the animals that God had created. They came by him, probably male and female together. And Adam would give them names. But the Bible says that there was none found among all of the God's creation. Uh, nobody was found compatible with Adam. Um, I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians where the Bible talks about the um, glorified body. And there's a discussion there about the flesh. And the Bible says there's one kind of flesh of animals and one kind of flesh of fish and Any of you who've ever done any hunting or fishing or even gone to Food Lion, you can look in the, or Fresh Market. Tim used to work at Fresh Market. I got to put a plug in for them too. You can look in the meat counter and you know what all of us have learned, have we not? If there's no label on anything, we can look through that clear plastic and we can recognize the difference between chicken and pork and that nice red juicy steak, right? It looks different. It's a different, it's all from living beings, but it's a different kind of flesh, right? Well, as all these animals came by, Adam gave names for them, but there was no one that came by that was of the same flesh as he was. Nobody was like him. There was obviously other living beings, but there were no living beings compatible with him. 
And so then the Bible tells us that in verse 19 of the same chapter, chapter 2, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. Notice that. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And then Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now let's go to that uh, screen please, which shows that scripture. And you'll see that very verse. And I'm going to be a little deliberate here for the next few moments because there's something very important I want us to understand. Genesis 2 verse 23. Now you'll see some letters here and some brackets. And and I've copied this just as it came from a Bible where there were footnotes. And we'll look at that in just a moment. That verse says in Genesis 2 verse 23... And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, which is going to be A in the footnotes, because she was taken out of man, which is B in the footnotes. So now I want to go to the next screen where you can see the footnotes that come from that page. And we're going to see that that first um, first word, A, Isha, what it's doing is it takes that word woman and it goes back to the original Hebrew and tells us what that word was. In this case, I think there's benefit to doing that. And that's the reason I'm taking the time to do this. Because man, in in B, Genesis 2.23, man is from the Hebrew word ish. Could everybody say ish? Now you know Hebrew. Now, first of all, for those of you who may go home and do some study, maybe somebody will, who knows? Wouldn't that be wonderful if somebody went home and did some study? But if you go home and do some study on the word in the Old Testament, man, it's not always translated from that word. But in this particular passage, the Hebrew word is ish. Man is ish. Now, I'm going to give you a test in a minute, so you got to pay attention. Man is ish. The word woman is isha. Everybody say isha. Isha. So now, if you would, tell me the Hebrew for man in this passage. Tell me the the name of woman in this passage from the Hebrew. Isha. Different, right? Ish is different from isha. That is to say... And to signify to us that men are different from women. I don't even have to quote scripture to show that, do I? We know that to be a fact. The the very purpose for this verse is to draw this distinction. She shall be called Isha because she was taken out of Ish. Now, anytime you take an Ish... And put ish with the isha, and they are different. You have the prescription, the possibility, even the probability for some trouble. Am I right? Because they're different. They are so very different. Ish is man, and man was made by God. Now, watch this. Man was made from what? Dirt. Dirt. Man came from the ground. Man is rough. Man is is created by God from the dirt. But then Eve is built by God, not from the earth, but from the rib that comes from Adam's side. 
Now you gotta, you gotta understand that's, that's quite different, is it not? And that explains some of the reason of the differences between men and women. We don't even have to confine this to husband, wife. This is, this is true in general. This is ish and isha. This is not husband and wife necessarily right now. This is just women and men. Man is ish. Woman is isha. They are different. If you know that to be a fact, would you say amen? amen? Good. I don't have to spend a whole lot of time trying to prove that to you. One of my, one of my favorite examples of that, most of you know, because I've been here long enough, so many years now, and I've talked about it several times. Andy Griffith comes up in my sermons from time to time, right? And there was an episode of Andy Griffith that is, I didn't know they all had titles. But I went back looking for this on YouTube and I found it. And, I, and all the Andy Griffith episodes are there and they all have a name. I didn't know that. The name of this one is called The Manicurist. Anybody remember it? Cheryl remembers it. And at the beginning of this episode, this woman comes into town. She gets off the bus. Floyd and all the boys at the barbershop, they're watching. The bus pulls up into Mayberry. And this woman, obviously a woman, right, Cheryl? She's a looker, Cheryl says. She's exactly right. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> she, she was built. That's what Bible said. the Bible says about Eve. The literal word was she was built. God did a good job on her. <laughs> Ron says, amen. <laughs> she, you, you've got to know she was beautiful. You got to know Adam being created by God, fashioned by him, raised up alive with the breath of God. You got to know he was a good looking man. And you also would have to believe that, that God does things so well. The first woman was a looker. Thank you, Cheryl. I wouldn't have thought of that. So you've got, you've got man and women and they're very different. Well, this woman gets off the bus and Andy Griffith and, and she's got on, on, let's just, just say she was a looker. And she goes over, well, Floyd and, and Barney and Andy and all these other guys in Mayberry, they're just stumbling all over themselves. They can't even talk, you know, they're doing like this and looking over at everybody and then looking, you know how that, looking back and looking at this woman. And then, Later in the episode, Andy's talking to her and, and she's been offended because everybody seems to be so standoffish. Now, these women in Mayberry didn't want these men receiving a manicure from this looker. And so in the episode, Andy's trying to make peace with her and get her to stay in town because she's been offended. and She's crying. She's going to leave because Mayberry's not a friendly town at all. And he's trying to convince her that it is. And, 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 and maybe... Uh, well, I'll just get to the line that, I'm, that I want to get to. Uh, she says, well, maybe they didn't notice that I was a female. And Andy says, oh, no, you don't look anything like a boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between men and women. Ish and Isha do not look alike, do they? No, they don't. To be on the safe side, I better leave that, that part of it. I would like to share with you that it is the differences that we've just described. It is the differences that attract men to women and women to men. Now, that's not deep at all, folks. I mean, when... when a young man starts looking for a girlfriend and a young woman. Is he attracted to, to girls? And girls usually attracted to guys? That's the way it used to be and it's supposed to be that way now. Okay, I know we get messed up in our society sometimes. But the way God designed it, you see, I just might as well go ahead and tell you how this works, okay? God created man and he said, be fruitful and multiply, did he not? And then he put something in them. Um, it has been called the urge to merge. Why is it that a young guy, especially when he gets about 15, 16, 17, he wants a girlfriend. And a girlfriend usually wants a boyfriend. And they, they just are drawn together. It's like there's a magnet, man. There's just something bringing them together. 
And it is their differences that are bringing them together. Because a, a boy doesn't go looking for somebody who looks like him. Amen? Now, Dave, you're a good guy and, and, and you're a friend of mine. Okay? But I'm so glad that me and you are just buddies. That's right. And it stops right there. Right? Because I'm, I'm not attracted in any way to Dave. But you, you all know what I'm saying? There's a difference. And that difference is what God uses to bring men and women together. If you believe that, say amen. But now, let me also share with you, it is also the differences that make marriage sometimes difficult and frustrating. Because it's not only our appearance that is different. We're just different. Amen. I'm going to, um, this is very unusual for me, as you know, but we're going to see, I think it's eight or nine minutes, a video that I ran across some time back where this, this minister was talking about this very subject, a difference between men and women. So as the lights are dimmed, if you would give attention to this pastor teaching um, in, a, in a marriage setting, the differences between men and women. It's kind of funny, and he's obviously playing this thing up, but let's, let's watch what he has to say. I thought, well, you know, I don't know. And, and people said, Nick, can you do that again? I said, sure. So I'm going to close. I'm going to read this to you. This is, um, these are the differences in men and women. Uh, this is, uh, again, it's all public library stuff. Four minutes. Average woman, this is right out of the public library. The average woman speaks 20,000 words a day. The average man only speaks seven. That's why 84% of domestic violence is a man hitting a woman, not a woman hitting a man. It's not because he's stronger. It's because he ran out of words. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to tell you the truth. Don't ever get your husband wound up late at night because he's out of words. <laughs> Catch him early in the morning when he's got a fresh supply when he wakes up because... Time he comes home from work, he's used up ten thousand to work. He's only got two thousand left over. She still got twelve thousand in the bank. You can ask your wife to pass the butter, she'll talk for thirty minutes like Dear God, I just wanted the butter. Shut up, my God. When a man's in his deepest sleep at night, seventy percent of his brain shuts down. Now this is all public library stuff, I'm not trying to mess with you. When I'm in my deepest sleep, I'm deaf. I don't hear nothing. And he says, you never hear the baby cry. I don't. I'm, a, I'm gone. I don't know. <laughs> Women say the house could burn down. He'd never know it. I know your job's to wake him up. And, you know, he'll put out the fire. You should. Because when a woman's in her deepest sleep, for the AMA, 90% of her brain's still active. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That'll help you. Women have two X chromosomes. Men only have one. That's why all men look like they got dressed at the Salvation Army. Because we only see the rainbow. We don't see chartreuse. Mob, that's just watered down. What? Mob, that's what? We don't see colors women see. That's why men really don't dress real sharp. It's just rare. Why? Two different chromosomes. We were put, God made us totally different. That's why I wear the same clothes two days in a row, three days in a row. Well, I like it. You just got to say, yeah, I like this color. You know, by another color? No. I remember for years when I was a school administrator, I wore a navy, bandlon, and beige pants every day, five days a week. I loved it. I had several pants, several shirts, but it's the same deal. You wore that yesterday. No, this is new. I just like this color. <laughs> Men like to sleep on the same side of the bed, eat off the same plate, drink out of the same coffee cup. Don't mess with my stuff. We like stability. We like that. Women have 180 degree peripheral vision. Men have long range vision. Four times more men are broadsided in an accident than women. You know why? They can't see color. That's why when you're in the car with your husband, he's driving. That's why women will drive the husband. Watch out! Look out! Here God, shut up. Woman didn't come close. My God, you're driving the husband. <laughs> he didn't see it. But men have better long-range vision. That's why men make better night drivers. They have, they're much more safe record driving at night. They have long-range vision. They're hunters. God designed men to hunt. They see far away much better. That's why men can't see things right in front of them. They can't find their keys, their billfold, their socks in the drawer, their underwear. Like, hey, where'd you put my socks? 
They're right in front of you. No, they're not. I'll look. No, they're right there. And I tell men, when you do that, if you say, she said they're there and you're not, just back up from the drawer a little bit. <laughs> All right, there they are. They're right there. They took 50 couples and did a survey over in England one time trying to show how men and women are different. Had them prepare a meal in this apartment they'd never been to. They're videotaping everything. Once they're seated at, seated at the table, they, they told the ladies, please, once you're seated, ask the husband to go to the refrigerator and get the butter. When you go there to cook the meal and you put the food in the refrigerator, put the butter on the second shelf right in front. 48 men. Honey, would you go get the butter? Mm-hmm. When men look in the refrigerator, number one, they get down like an umpire buying home plate. <laughs> Now, they say a woman can see the entire contents of a refrigerator without moving her head. Because she's got great peripheral vision. When a man looks in the refrigerator, his head's going to bobble like a bobblehead dog. Forty-eight of those fifty men could not find the butter because it was right in front. There's not any butter. It's right in front. No, there's not any butter. And the women just come get it. He would say, well, okay, whatever, you know. A woman's skin is ten times more sensitive than a man's skin. Uh, by God's design, it's uh, thinner. And so women love to touch, hug, cuddle, hug up. <laughs> Men don't have... Oh, God, this one was hot. She won't... She's hot. No, she's cuddling. She'd do the same for a kitty cat, a puppy dog, or a bunny rabbit. You just have to be the... <laughs> don't misread this. Dear Lord, that was good. Uh, take a brain scan of a man. When he's reading a newspaper, you'll find out he's virtually deaf. To go to the reading part of my brain, I must leave the hearing part. We have doors in our brains, gentlemen. If we go to another room, shut the door behind us. A woman can have all the doors for brain open at the same time. I'm not making this up. I'm trying to help you. You're fighting over the way God made you. What's wrong with you? You're crazy. No, you're different. You married your opposite as a gift from God. They're good at everything you're not good at. Quit accusing it. Quit fighting it. Quit cussing Praise God. I'm just so thankful you're good at that. Praise God. That's just amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Many a woman's been made uh, accused of making a man of Mrs. Turnoff because she was talking to him when he was driving. My dad would do that. Oh, dear God, woman, shut up. You made me miss my turnoff. You ever have your daddy or your grandfather have to read a map on vacation? If a man's going to read a map, he'll have to pull off the side of the road. He'll pull off the side of the road before he reaches the map. He'll turn the radio off. <clears throat> Shut up a minute. Because a man, a man can't read with background noise. It drives them wild. You can be at home, spaghetti's boiling, TV's blaring, kids are yelling, phone will ring. A woman will just pick it up. Hello. Not a man. If nobody's answering the phone, he'll start screaming. Hey! Hey, folks, Shut up and turn the TV off and shut up! And then when a man answers the phone, he'll clear his voice for you. <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> Toothbrush test. A woman can brush her teeth, pack a school lunch, wipe down a kitchen counter, give instructions to her children in the morning, and not spit on anything. AMA says 95% of all men, when they brush their teeth, have to get right in front of the sink. Feet a foot apart. If they are right-handed, they'll brace themselves with their left hand. <laughs> Your research has shown men do not move their toothbrush, they move their heads. <laughs> to, to the speed of the water coming out of the spigot, so don't turn it up too high, you knock yourself out. Many a man has cut himself shaving because the woman was talking to him when he's trying to say, Oh dear God, what do you want? What do you want? They may cause a focus disease. Men have focus disease. We like to do one thing at a time. Funny thing Dad was working on a doorknob thing one time. Had his tools out on Saturday. Mom's like, "Well, dear God, he's going to fix something." Thank God. And she just went up and said, "Hey, honey, since you got your toolkit out, when you're through with that doorknob, I got a leaky faucet back in the bathroom." Well, he just said, "Well, you let me finish, just so I get to it." Now, what happened? Did you get mad? No, you jerked him out of his doorknob mailbox and tried to put him in the leaky faucet mailbox. He's hanging out in midair. Ladies, need to remember, God made you smarter than him to help him. I'm not trying to be funny. It's like. Tell him one thing at a time. And by the way, ladies, let me help. Let's just do this. We'll pick this up more. When you talk to your husband, no editorial comments. You never knew anything around here. You never helped. I have all the time. I have all the time. You never knew. 
You need to understand men are performance oriented by God's design. This happened. We had a lady, because I taught this, this lady said, you know, I tried this one time. I went to your seminar. It was Super Bowl Sunday. My husband had some guys over. And every time, every year at Super Bowl, they leave the den a mess, trashed out. I thought, I'm not doing this year. I'm going to make them clean up with the league. Well, we're right in the middle of a big game. She said, I don't know anything about football. I care less. But I did what you said, because I always gripe after. You just leave a mess. You're sorry. You're lazy. And he'd yell. We'd have a bad night. So the ball game's going on. So I just walked in. I said, ladies, when you talk to your husband, don't use a lot of verbiage. Give a direct statement. Men's conversations are short and direct. Women, when they want something, they hint at it. Niece and I went for a drive one fall morning. Help me remember this, niece. Fall morning, got some baker's cream cheese, some coffee. Beautiful morning, Sykes, Missouri. Got someone to watch the kids. We're just driving through, looking at the fall colors. Having a great time. Got some time alone. All of a sudden, she said, hey, Joe, would you like to stop and get some more coffee? Hmm, no, no, had plenty. Though. Appreciate you asking. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> 30 minutes later, she's not talking. I said, you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, dear God, what happened to you? Nothing. You just been yourself. I'm driving. What if well, she wanted some coffee? You didn't say you wanted some coffee. You asked if I wanted some coffee. I don't want no coffee. They're different, are they not? No doubt. Um, In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the Lord is speaking to the serpent concerning the penalty for the sin that they've committed, the fall. He speaks to the serpent. If you look in chapter 3, verse 17, um, he's talking to Adam. But if you look at Genesis, verse 16, the Lord is talking to Eve. He's looking to the woman. I'd like for you to notice what he said. Verse 16, to the woman God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow And your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And he shall rule over you. Now this this statement was made to Eve. It was made concerning the woman. And quite honestly over the years there's been a lot of times I have looked at that and looked at that and looked at that and looked at that and tried to figure out what that means and he shall rule over you I got that part that's simple right but what does it mean when it says your desire shall be for your husband it doesn't mean you're going to want your husband all the time Uh, we know that's the case it's not like you're you're wanting your husband um there's, and I have wrestled with that. I've tried to sort it out. I've tried to uh, explain it to myself and get a grip on it. But if you keep reading, you'll get down to chapter four and you're going to see that same phrase again. It's in a different context this time though. After Cain murders Abel, um, you'll read in verse six of chapter four. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. There's that phrase again, and its desire is for you. How many of you know that sin wants to conquer you? Sin wants to control you. True? So if you take that same phrase and go back over here into Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. And the same phrase is used concerning Eve. Your desire shall be for your husband. In other words, you're going to have a tendency. You're going to have a desire to want to control your husband, to dominate your husband. But then the Lord says, and he shall rule over you. 
Now, am I reading the Bible? Am I? I'm, I'm reading the Bible. What it says, we, we kind of struggle with that. Um, a lot of women over the years, anytime I would read that, they'd be sure to let me know that they didn't particularly appreciate what I shared that morning. Had some problems with that. But we're just reading it for what it says. To Eve, the Lord said, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. If we use the context that's in the next verse to help us understand that phrase. And its desire is for you. It wants to control you, but you should rule over it. In the scripture, and I would like to follow up in the New Testament, because the New Testament does address this particular subject. I'm going to read in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 25. In Ephesians 5, 22 through 25. The Bible says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then it goes on to say in verse 25, Husbands, love your wife, your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I think probably we have already established, and I think you would have already agreed with the fact, that when Ish and Isha come together, there are differences. If you believe that, would you say amen? God made us different. Listen, you may have been married for 70 years, but Ish and Isha, Ish and Isha are different. They have different personalities. They have different likes, different dislikes, different idiosyncrasies. Um, there's probably one thing that Ish does, at least one, that Isha would say, you get on my last nerve every time you do that. And there's probably one thing that Isha could say about Ish the same way. Every time you do that, it just drives me nuts. It's true. We're different. And, and being a Christian doesn't change that, does it? Does becoming a Christian take away your differences? No, you're still different. You were different when you met. You'll be different when you've been married for 70 years. You're just different. There, you, One is male, one is female. There's some differences there. There's the personality thing, the way that God made us, the, the way that God created the man to be the provider, the protector, looking down the road, hunting, things like that. Whereas the, the, the Isha has been made with a whole different gift set. Of things from the Lord to help make a family and a home function. Generally speaking, who is far more equipped and far more able to raise babies, men or women? It's, it's a gift that God has given. See, and the woman is equipped to do that. The male is generally not as equipped as the female is. So what we see is that God made us differently. We have those differences differences uh, even in our personalities and so forth what we have to learn to do then is to take God's word and make our marriages fit to the scripture amen in other words to do it God's way now the the bible uh, i i like what is said here but i also have to put into context genesis chapter 3 where the the Lord is speaking directly to the woman who has just committed a sin that changes all humanity, right? And to her, he said, your desire is going to be to control your husband, but he'll rule over you. 
But then when we come to the New Testament, we see basically the same principle in as much as the Bible says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Why? Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. I got to just tell you like it is. If you got problems with that, you got problems with the word of God. Because that's just what the Bible says. That the husband is the head of the wife and wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and don't get upset because the very next part of it is a very important element which says husbands do what? Love your wives. Sure there are differences. Sure there are challenges. Sure there are problems. But the grace of God and the love of God among people who are committed to God can empower us to love each other even past our differences in the marriage relationship and out. Amen? Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, let me just read to you what the Bible says about love. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13 beginning at verse 4, love suffers long. Love suffers long. In other words, love is willing to put up with things. If you're married and have experienced that being married means you put up with some things, would you say amen? That was a little bit weak, but I can understand why it would be subdued. You have to learn to put up with things. True? I know my wife has to put up with things. I know that. I also know that my my wife's husband has to put up with things too. And I also know that what is true in our house is true in your house as well. Amen? It's no different because there's always that potential for that one thing that your spouse, and we'll keep it in marriage right now, does that just drives you nuts. And if you if you focus on that, If you let that just irritate you till you're just miserable, you're going to have a miserable existence in a marriage. Right? But listen to what the Bible says. Love suffers long. That's what love does. Love doesn't mean it always goes your way 24 hours a day and you just love everything about every person. No, love doesn't mean that. Love kicks in. Love really shows itself When you understand that love suffers long and love is kind and love does not envy and love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave itself rudely. Love does not seek its own or seek its own way. Love is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in the truth. Listen to this. Love bears all things. If you understand what love is, biblically, any marriage can make it. If both parties understand what love is. Love bears all things. Or love can bear the pressure of all things. Or love can can hold all things together. Love Believes all things. Love hopes all things. Listen to this one. Love endures all things. There's something about a relationship, and marriage is certainly the epitome of that, that requires us sometimes to have to endure things. I wonder if anybody's going to be honest enough to say amen to that one. You have to endure some things. Several years ago, a couple years ago maybe, on Valentine's Day, which happened to be a Sunday, we had, how many couples was it? Anybody remember? About 30 couples? 25, 30 couples, renew marriage vows. We had them all across the stage. We had the newspaper was here. We had TV cameras here from a local news station. They put it on TV where, where 25, 30, somewhere, I don't remember the exact number in that range, different couples renewed their marriage vows. And I remember when it was over and people were leaving, for some reason, it must be because of their age, the TV 
reporter, the cameraman that was here, grabbed my mom and dad and was interviewing them here in the middle of the sanctuary when the service was over. And they were asking, how many years was it? 60 then? 65? 70? No, not 70. A whole bunch of them said, how, what's your secret to being married this long? And he went on to say, well, you know, it's not really a secret. It's just we made up our minds when we got married that we meant business. And and sure, there have been challenges and there's been difficulties. But you have to work through your problems. And you have to learn forgiveness and endurance and patience and all those things. And it, it's, it's absolutely true. And it's something that, that couples nowadays aren't being taught. How are people going to be taught if a pastor won't stand up and talk about it? Because you're not going to get it from most parents because they don't know it. The Bible gives us a way to make it work. Amen? And although in Eve's situation, she really messed up big time and, and all, and, and, and we all descend from Adam and Eve and we all are sinners, but the Lord provides a way out of that. Am I right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So then we come to the Lord and then what happens? The Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So the Lord begins to change you. The Lord begins to melt your heart. The the Lord begins to give you the capacity to be forgiving. The Lord gives you the capacity to be patient. The Lord gives you the capacity to be kind. The Lord gives you the capacity to be forgiving. Am I right? That's what the Lord does for us. He helps us and we grow. And that means that then we can, we can put up with things that we didn't used to be able to put up with. Things that used to years ago when you were living in sin might have drove you to drinking. Now they may just drive you to your knees. May cause you just to step back instead of reacting and just take back a deep breath and, and let it go and keep on going. Being patient and loving and kind and enduring because love bears all things. The, the puppets today, one of them, that, that phrase still rings in my mind that the Lord calls us to be more like Jesus. Amen. And Jesus was nailed to a cross. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They spat in his face. They pulled out his beard. They drove nails in his hands and his feet. And according to the New Testament, as they were doing all that to Jesus, what was his prayer? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the Bible tells us that we become more like Jesus in our journey as a Christian, as our growth and the grace of God working in our hearts. We become more like Jesus. So we're more willing to forgive because we're becoming more like the Savior. We're more willing to love because we're more like the Savior. We should be becoming more like Jesus every day of our lives. Amen. And that's true in our marriages. Ish and Isha. Listen, you've got to understand if you don't hear anything else I've said today, men and women are different. And the reason they're different is because God made them different. Now, we have to learn how to deal with that as Christians, not as heathens. And I'll use that term with Eve here, not going all the way back to the fall and the Lord saying, your desire is going to be to control your husband, but he'll rule over you. That's not the spirit of what we get in the New Testament. It's the same principle, but it's not the spirit. The spirit is, wives, submit to your husbands. The husband is the head of the wife. But husbands... Love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself for it. And that's the way marriages work. Amen? That's also the way you can get along with that 
grouchy, mouthy, mean-spirited person at work, whether it be male or female. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you just have to understand that men are different than women and women are different than men. And everybody's not going to be like you, feel like you, react like you, react. People are different. But we can all grow up and respond like Jesus would respond. Wouldn't that be a positive thing? Stand and sing this with me, would you? talking about sometimes for instance as an example a woman can just get all worked up about her husband she's aggravated at him and he's just stupid and he's mean and he's this that and the other and dad said well who was it that married that stupid man or stupid woman you know you get the point must not have been so bright yourself if he's so stupid and you married him. Let me let me share this scriptural principle with you about solving conflict. And it just so happens that this one is within the bounds of marriage. But it will work outside marriage too. The Bible says that if you I'll use you as a as a wife for the women. Wives, if you have a husband who is an unbeliever, if you have a husband who does not live for the Lord, if you have a husband who is abusive, if you have a husband who just is not the kind of husband you want. The Bible says that the unbelieving husband can be sanctified By the life that the wife lives before him. In other words, you can take a mean husband and a praying Christian woman who's kind and loving. And she can change that man and see him become a Christian. Amen? And the other side is true. If the the man is walking with God and the wife is 
unfaithful and unloving and unkind, the man can live such a Christ-like life and not nagging and not fussing and not fighting all the time, but loving, loving and being kind and gentle and Christ-like, then you can actually see that companion won over to the Lord. It could happen with a boss at work. Did you know that? Have somebody that's unreasonable to deal with. And instead of being combative and fighting, if you could just start being kind and loving like Jesus, you might be amazed at what might happen. I'm not going to tell you every single time. It's always just going to work an absolute instant miracle. But I'll tell you what, if we if we'll be like Jesus... It's amazing what the Lord can do through our lives and how that will transform our marriages and our witness and our church. All the way around, it'd be a blessing if we could be like Jesus. Brother Chris. Thank you for the word today, Father. If you'll bow your heads, we'll say our dismissal prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together today. We thank you for the fellowship and the love throughout this building. Father, we thank you for each and every person that came, dear Lord, and sacrificed their time today to give back to you. Father, we pray that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you will allow us to show love and kindness to those we encounter this week, Father, that they may see Christ in each of us. Father, keep us safe. Lord, until we come back at our next appointed hour, for we lift your name today and give you all the glory and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.